Please allow me to read the passage on which today's teaching is based. It comes from Matthew chapter 11, and I'll be reading from verses 7 through 15. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied about until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. This is God's word. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. Welcome to worship. I know uh, we are changing it up because, you know, we want to keep safe. Um, but I'm glad and I'm thankful that we can still worship God in this platform and that though we're singing in different buildings, that we could still be in one church. Friends, I just want to say Merry Christmas. Um, that will, I hope you had a Merry Christmas and just want to say Happy New Year. Now, uh, we will be continuing uh, in our sermon series called The Hard Sayings of Jesus. These are sayings, passages, verses uh, that it's hard to understand, but it's even harder to live it out, even if you do understand it. So before going into our text, uh, and you know, our sermon series, our, our sermon title today is Forcefully Advancing. What does that mean? Before we go into it, before we explain, allow me to give you a little context. The context, uh, verse 1 through 6, basically John uh, the, the Baptist, his disciples come to Jesus. See, John the Baptist, he prophesied that there was going to be great things that's happening. Right? He, he said there will be judgment that comes. And in this context, John is in prison, and he hears that Jesus is going around healing the sick uh, and preaching the gospel to the poor. So John asked Jesus this question through his disciples. And the question is, are you the Messiah, or should we look for someone else? Now, I, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like it comes with the Christmas card. <laughs> it doesn't sound warm. It's, it's almost accusative. Are, are you really him? Are you really the Messiah? Are you really God? Or should I look for someone else? You see, John was puzzled. He was confused because, you know, he, he said all these great things will happen, right, uh, in the wilderness while he was prophesying. But Jesus was doing something else that he was expecting. See, for John... The God, Jesus, that he, the Messiah that he expected was different from the ones that he was hearing about. And so he asked this question, and maybe some of us are asking the same question. Maybe some of us are asking, Jesus, are you really the one that's supposed to help me with my problems, or should we expect someone else? Are you really the one that's going to give me comfort, or should I look for someone else? Are you really the one that's going to make my life better or should I put my faith 
and someone else. Jesus answers in verse 6. He says, blessed is the man who does not fall away on the court of me. That word fall away means uh, it could be translated as offended or tripped up. So if I read it again, blessed is the man who does not get tripped up or offended of me. Meaning blessed is the man or person that trusts Jesus enough to set aside the prejudged, predetermined ideology of Jesus. And so friends, I just want to invite all of us today to come together to set aside our assumptions, our agenda, our thoughts on who Jesus is supposed to be in our life so that we can see who he really is and what he has done for us. I have three points for us today, three questions I want to answer. Why do we reject Jesus? What is the message of Jesus? Who tends to see, receive Jesus? So why, what, who? First point, why do we reject Jesus? Now, verse 7, it says, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. Basically, so as John's disciples were leaving, he was addressing the crowd, but he was including John's disciples. And he pretty much, he corrects John in verse 6, but in verse 7, he addresses the crowd and he defends John's character. He says, no, his message is still sound here. Okay, and and he asks various questions. He says, at first, he says, what did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? A reed is a small, fickle little thing, so when a wind blows, it goes away. It goes back and forth. So it's representing someone that is unstable, inconsistent. And Jesus is saying, no. When you went out to the desert, when you went out to the wilderness to see John the Baptist, you saw a man that is very consistent, who's moral, who had great character, In fact, people thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah. And Jesus continues, what did you, uh, verse 8, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palace. Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying that, um, well, in Matthew 34, it says that John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist. He was humble. And Jesus continues with this question. He says, then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Verse 10, this is the one who, uh, about whom it is written. I'll send my messenger ahead of you who prepare your way before you. Friends, there's something you need to know, right? Verse 10, Jesus is quoting Malachi 3.1, okay? And it says, there will be a messenger. Malachi was the last prophet before John the Baptist, But in between these prophets, there was a gap, 500 years of gap. And so that means the Israelites didn't see the prophets for 500 years. So finally, they see a prophet in the wilderness. So they go out. They must be excited. They're like, okay, what is he going to say? He goes out uh, to see what John the Baptist says. All right. And so they go out and they hear it. They see a prophet and they are disappointed. In Matthew 11, verse 16 to 18, uh, Verses a little bit past ours. It says that they reject John's message and even accuse them of being demon-possessed. They, so here's the question. Why did they reject John's message? What was John's message? In Matthew 3, it says that John preached, prophesied, repent, kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Repent, now, I don't know uh, if, like, what your definition is of growing up in a church or if you don't know what that word is. In, in the Greek, it literally means changing one's mind or feeling guilty about one's action. John means that, but not, it doesn't mean less than that, but certainly, certainly more. Because what John was saying by repent, he was saying, you need to be radically, completely transformed in the heart. He says, repent. And the reason why he said you need to repent is repent for because kingdom of heaven is at hand. If the kingdom is coming, that means there's a king. And John is pretty much saying there's a new sheriff in town. All right, there's someone that has the authority, the power to, to make some changes here. And friends, they don't like that. So they reject John's message. But you got to understand, John's the messenger here. If you're rejecting the messenger, you're, me- you're rejecting the one who sent him. So meaning, if you're rejecting John's message, you're rejecting Jesus' message. This is why Jesus was asking all these questions. Basically, if, it, we, if we boil down to one question, uh, what really Jesus was trying to say uh, and ask is this. What did you expect? What did you want to hear? You went out to see a prophet, and you got a prophet. And so, friends... Again, I want to ask you, what is your preconceived, assumed idea about Jesus? What did you expect? What, did, what was your idea of a church, a community? What did you hope you'll find in Christianity? See, the problem is that a lot of us go to see God, but we, when we see God, um, we're disappointed. Uh, we're offended, tripped up, because it's not the God we wanted to see. Friends, if, if we're really honest... We want a moral example, not a savior. We want a Santa Claus that brings gifts, but not a king. We want a comforting teddy bear that makes us feel better about ourselves, but we don't want a healer. But what happens? What happens when um, you know, God challenges your sin and your character? What if he contradicts you and tells you you need to change your ways? What will you do if God, instead of bringing gifts, brings hardships? I mean, take this example, um, the situation as an example. We're worshiping at home because we want to minimize risks. Some of you are probably experiencing that. Maybe it ruined your Christmas. What is your image? What is your thoughts of God? What will you do if you pray day and night for something, but God doesn't answer it? Will you still worship him? The reason why many of us reject God is because we want something from God, but not God. We want the benefit, but not the responsibility, not the commitment to this relationship. We just want Jesus to be our friends with benefit, without intimacy. We only want him when we want him. That's our first point, why we reject Jesus. Second point, what is the message of Jesus? What is it exactly that we're we're rejecting. Let's, let's dig deeper. Now, verse 11, read with me. It says, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, what a statement. What a compliment. There's the, no greater compliment than this. Jesus is pretty much saying, since Adam and Eve, since, um, since mankind, there was no one greater than John the Baptist. He's the greatest man, greatest human being that has ever lived. Yet he says, the least in the kingdom of heaven 
is greater than he. What does that mean? I'll do you even further. Verse 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. What does that mean? This, is really, this really is a hard saying of Jesus. It's hard to understand. And different translators, they have a hard time understanding uh, or choosing like, what this means. But one thing in common, if you read other English translations like the ESV, uh, NASB, etc., they instead of saying forcing, they say violencing. So if I had to translate this verse quite literally, uh, it's saying kingdom of heaven is violencing. There's, there could be multiple meanings to this, but there's definitely two, and they're both very important for us to understand Jesus' message. First, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully, violently advancing into our lives. Now, when you think of violence, you think of maybe a physical violence, maybe like something abrupt. But Jesus is not talking about physical violence, not a mental violence, not an emotional violence, not even a political violence. I mean, the Israelites back in the day, what they wanted was a political leader, a powerful leader to overthrow the Roman Empire. And Jesus doesn't do that. He goes to the cross. So clearly when Jesus says kingdom of heaven is violently uh, uh, progressing, uh, advancing, he's not talking about a physical violence. He's talking about a spiritual warfare. He's talking about a spiritual violence. And the verse says, from the day of John the Baptist until now. So John's role here was important. He was the messenger. He was the person that went ahead and said, look, make path straight for, king, for the king is here. Basically, back then, what they did was, when the king is coming, they sent the messenger. All right? And they send the messenger. And basically, the messenger says, dude, clear out the path. All right? Clean up the streets. It's kind of like if your in-laws are coming or your friends or your significant other, you, you, you're going to clean up your house. You're going to clean up your room. So John the, mess- uh, John the Baptist, the messenger, he comes. He says, make path. Okay? So, again, when John says that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and when Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is violently, violently advancing, they're both saying the king has arrived. There's a new sheriff in town. Now, Friends, if Jesus really is king, if he really is God, then this passage is saying that he's going to change everything. That he is going to overrule everything. But people don't want that. They reject. It says forceful men lay hold of it, meaning there will be people who reject it and who violently, who, who will try to be violent in their own investment for their own greatness, for their own kingdom, for their own like, achievements. So some of you that uh, believe that if you have approval of others, you will have meaning, worth, and purpose in life. So you do anything to receive respect and love. But what happens when you receive a criticism? You get defensive, violently defensive. You fight back. Why do you do that? It's because whatever you felt like was going to make you great, make you advance, is being threatened. So that's forcefully or violently advancing. Some of you believe, um, may believe that when you have um, uh, a certain status, maybe, maybe when you make a certain amount of money or uh, you're in a certain position, 
you're going to have meaning, worth, and purpose in life. So you do anything you can to get it. Maybe you neglect your relationship with God. Maybe you neglect your relationship with your family, your friends. Maybe you step over your coworkers. Maybe you gossip. Maybe you put them down. That's forceful advancement. Some of you may believe that when you have uh, the right religious belief, uh, whatever that means, the right teaching, the doctrine, you will have meaning, worth, and purpose in life. So you bash on other religion, or you bash on other people that are different from your values and your morals, your way of life. That's violently advancing. And Jesus says, no. He says that if I come into your life, everything will be changed. Your thoughts on marriage, your thoughts on relationship, friendships, finances, love, joy, goodness, serving, church. Jesus is saying, even your relationship with me, your view of me will change completely. Your values will change. Your priorities will change. Your heart's going to change. So friends, the message of Jesus that, uh, is that when the kingdom of heaven is coming, it's going to come like an avalanche. It's going to completely change everything. Everything will be undone. Jesus, the king, will overthrow all the kings in your life, in your heart. Whatever is ruling you, whatever makes you get out of bed, whatever that keeps you going, that drives you, he's saying, I'm going to overthrow those kings. And most importantly, I'm going to overthrow you as your king in your life. Either you submit to this king or you run and hide. Those are your only options. That's the message of Jesus. That's what you're rejecting. That's what we're all rejecting. And it's an important one, but thankfully, the message of Jesus doesn't stop there. Thank God there's another meaning to this verse. The second meaning, the second way you can translate this text is that the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. Friends, growing up, if you disobeyed your parents, you got punishment. If you say no to your boss, you may get fired. If you uh, don't submit to your king, there's judgment. If you reject God, there's death. And, and that's why John the Baptist was so confused and perplexed. John is asking Jesus, where's the judgment? Where's the vengeance? Where's the wrath? Where's the fire? I mean, this is what I prophesied, but this is not what you're doing. This is what I expected. And Jesus is saying, don't worry, John. Vengeance is coming. Judgment, there will be judgment. There will be wrath. There will be fire. But not in the way that you expected. The judgment, the violent wrath of God will come upon me. Friends, Jesus suffered violence. And this is so important for the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. In order for us to have Jesus, friends, he had to give up his nice little life in heaven while we are negotiating about what we can give up and what we can keep. In order for us to have Jesus, he had to give up his crown, his throne, while we are trying to build our throne, our kingdom. In order for us to have Jesus, he had to become weak 
but we try to be great in our violent ways. Friends, Jesus took the ultimate punishment and judgment that we should have received. On the cross, Jesus the King was not rejected, not only rejected by the people that put him to death, but he was rejected and forsaken by God the Father. On the cross, Jesus the King who brought the kingdom of heaven was cast down to the kingdom of hell because of our sins. On the cross, Jesus the King who can judge was judged and the judgment and the violent wrath of God was poured out on him. Jesus went through the violence of death, friends, so that you and I can go through the violence of gospel transformation. This is the message of Jesus. If you believe this, um, we can have full assurance in knowing that God will never forsake us. God the Father is a good Father. He's not going to make us pay twice. Jesus paid it all. He says, I'll never forsake you. I'll always be here. Come through. If you believe this, uh, you will have access to the kingdom of heaven. The cross has become the door and his sacrificial blood the payment for us to walk into it. We don't have to keep looking for things to do to advance. The advancement has already been made. We're in the kingdom of heaven. There's no more. You can't go any further. There's no ladder to climb. If you believe this, friends, um, if you feel guilty, shame, if, you, if you're casting judgment down on your own self, you can go to Jesus and be comforted because in our passage is Matthew 11, 7 through 15, but if you read further in verse 28, Jesus says this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lonely in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, this is the message of Jesus. We're so much more sinful than we could possibly imagine. But look at the distance that Jesus will go for you. He didn't come. He didn't bring the kingdom of heaven by being great. He he brought it down by being weak. He didn't bring in power, uh, but he brought it through the cross. So friends, let me close out my sermon with my last point. Who tends to see or receive Jesus? First, the pastor says, is the least in the kingdom of heaven that is greater than he. So it's the least. So what type of people tends to see or receive Jesus is the least, the broken, the humble that tends to see Jesus. Friends, it says that John is the greatest person that has ever lived, but the the most immoral, weak, helpless person will see Jesus. Only when you are humbled as Jesus was humble will you see Jesus. So if you try to stand on your own righteousness, your morals, and your goodness, you're not going to see Jesus. It says the least in the kingdom of heaven, meaning if you could be the wickedest person, you could be the worst person in the world, somebody has to be, right? Let's say that you are the worst person in the world. If you sit in the righteousness of Jesus, you're greater than any person that sits on himself, in his own righteousness. If you sit in the righteousness of Jesus, you're gonna be greater than any human achievements earthly accomplishments 
and you're going to be greater than any ethical person. So friends, if you feel moral, weak, helpless, if you're challenged by this message, you're in a great place. You get to see Jesus, and the gospel will become more beautiful. Secondly, it's the violent. You will see and receive Jesus when you understand and accept that a force is coming, that a violent kingdom of God is coming. It's going to progress. And, and it's the one that needs change, that knows and accepts change in their life. They're the ones that's going to see Jesus more clearly. Only those who know and accept, as verse 14 says, if you accept, he is Elijah who has to come. That means you're accepting the message of Elijah, John the Baptist, and you're accepting the message of Jesus. So here's the question as we kick off 2022, a new year. And this is a question that, my, that I hope that you wrestle with for the next year. Are you willing to accept challenge in your life? Are you willing to admit that there are areas in your life that you're going to have to let go, give up on? Do you know that you need Jesus? You need a savior? Or are you still clinging on to a certain part of your life, your own strength? Friends, my hope, my prayer is that you become the least in the kingdom of heaven so that the gospel could violently advance, not just in our life, not just in our church, but in our city and to the world. Verse 15. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray.